This is Mass Action Podcast. Revolutionary socialist propaganda to save the planet, smash white supremacy, and stop World War III. On this episode of Mass Action Podcast, we're joined by David Feldman. He is the chair of the Human Rights Committee of the United Teachers of Los Angeles. But before we get to this really excellent interview, really, should you all stick around and listen to this, let me remind you, the website is mass-action.org. You can get the new book on the website entitled Socialism 2020 and the Coming Great Crisis. You can also get a new poem, The Giant That Is In Us. All right, on this episode of Mass Action Podcast, we are joined by David Feldman. David is the chairman of the Human Rights Committee of the United Teachers of Los Angeles. He's an activist with that union, a history teacher in the Los Angeles School District. Welcome to Mass Action, David. Thank you for having me. Well, you're welcome. And I'm really looking forward to this because I really wanted to address the situation with uh, principally the Democrats rushing to send uh, children back to school during what is really the worst part, believe it or not, 10 months later of the worst international global pandemic in, you know, 100 years. And as as a father myself, I know you're a new father, but just as a human being who cares about people, Uh, It just seems particularly odd to me that still without any coordinated national plan to tackle the pandemic and just a genocidal response by the U.S. government, and I'll say it's both Democrats, Republicans, they have power, that now at this time they'd be like, hey, we're going to send all the kids back to school and send the teachers back to school, right, and potentially, you know, expose people uh, even more so to the pandemic. It's just to me, to my mind, it's, uh, well, to put it very, very mildly, mildly contradictory. And what do you think, David? Maybe we start, I'd like to talk about the situation in LA too, because it's like the epicenter of the pandemic, but let's just start off with your feelings about, uh, and I know you guys aren't being sent back to school, partly because the union, uh, maybe the, the superintendent of the schools is kind of scared of you guys, rightfully so. Um, but anyway, what's your take? Well, look, I, I think that we see that that the politicians and, and the Democratic Party, we already know about the Republican Party, but the Democratic Party is clearly uh, more accountable to, to corporations, corporate interests uh, than it is to, to human life. I mean, here we are, never have the infection numbers have been greater. Um, we're looking at 400,000 uh, casualties, um, but before they have real plans to vaccinate people, to you know, even even testing for this whole hasn't been as accessible as it should have been. Um, there hasn't been any coordinated plans to really put an end to this pandemic. Um, but before any of those plans are put into place, um, you know, the first thing that uh, Joe Biden is is talking about, it was one of his main points in becoming president, the first 100 days, he's going to open most of the schools. 
And this is while this is while the infection numbers have never been greater. And uh, I just think that it shows that, you know, for all the talk that you hear from politicians saying that they value educators and they value education, what they really see us as as like domestic kind of you know, domestic care for the children of, of parents who need to, who they see they need to get to work so that they could get corporate profits going to the degree that they want to again. And that is seen as a bigger priority than human life because there's, there's no doubt that if you look at the schools, we're, we're just not ready to open during a pandemic. You know, I, I know at my school, um, we've we've had janitorial services cut. So I, I have a janitor basically sweeps my classroom once a month. Right. You know, we have mice, we have dirt. Um, we have, you know, I have students maybe 40, 45 in a classroom and you can barely walk. And, you know, many times I don't have enough desks. Um, so I have to go to the teacher next door and borrow a desk. And and under this situation, I'm going to open schools during a pandemic that's right. caused hundreds of thousands of deaths. Uh, it obviously, they obviously, their main priority here is to get their parents back to work so that the corporations can make money. And for all their talk of valuing educators in, in education, really they see us as kind of like cannon fodder. You know, well, let me let me say. I mean, um, a couple of things come to mind. Yeah. Uh, one is I'm a parent myself. I have an eight year old. I know you have a one year old, and that they, there's there's different things there, sort of, right? Um, I can see a lot of parents right now who don't who need to go to work. You know what I mean? And need childcare, and are in a situation where the government hasn't passed anywhere near enough relief. Like it's such a it's such an incredible crime that enough relief has been passed to help people over uh, overcome this pandemic. And you know what, look, this country can print money whenever it wants. I mean, it can spend the money. It has the resources. Uh, it's just shown that they can, whatever they want to, whenever they get around to it, they just print a check. It just kind of it magic, magically appears in the mail or, 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 or in the bank. I, I mean, so you can see where parents are coming from. So and there's kind of a related question here. Also, I'm just kind of wondering because there's kind of like a uh, like lots of different information based on like how much remote learning is is horrible or not bad. In my personal experience with our child, I mean, I don't think it's the best. I think he needs to be around kids learning. I think it's very helpful, you know, because they teach each other. They really do. Um, and it's much more like if they're there collectively in person, it's just, that's how you get educated collectively, you know, besides the fact they just need to run around and play with each other to be honest. Yeah. Um, but I, I haven't seen remote learning as that bad. I think actually some aspects of it are okay. Um, but you know, maybe it's the particular school district my son is into. Yeah, I mean, I, I think there, I mean, it, once again, it, it does really show what degree the politicians really feel that they are accountable to their donors. Because, I mean, you're right. I mean, they're, look, you're looking at many countries where people's wages are heavily been subsidized. Most countries. Um, yeah. Any country that has the money, they've just been giving it to the to people to survive. 
and and here um we're basically on our own um people are are having to fend for themselves we're we're fighting over crumbs over you know whether it's going to be a $1400 check or a $2000 check the aid has been just very very minimal and and next to nothing and and, and supposedly the richest country in the world as as we pay another 740 billion dollars to the pentagon um and yet, you know, the people right now are, are really the working class people are taking the brunt of this thing uh, medically. Um, they're taking the brunt of this thing economically, uh, while corporations are, are getting away with, with trillions of dollars. You know, I, I think with remote learning, you know, I think that there's aspects of it that are positive. I think there are many skills as an educator that I've, I've learned um, through remote learning. And, and that's, I think let me stop. that's interesting, David, because I don't want to totally stop you, but I do want to chime in. I mean, I'm not teaching now because they're, they're not, I'm an adjunct college teacher and I move across the country and nobody's hiring. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, so I'm unemployed. But uh, when I was still in Chicago and when everything were remote, I did. I actually learned things that I should have been using all along. Mm-hmm. It's very interesting to me. Yeah, I mean, there's aspects of this that maybe we can even take into it when we go back into the classroom and that there's been skills that have been learned. And I think also the students are learning new skills um, right now. And the district has been forced to provide a little bit of investment to students. Students, for instance, are taking home laptops, um, having access to that kind of technology, which they should have had before. so there, there are some positive aspects of it, but ultimately, I, I think you're correct. This is, this is okay uh, while we're in a crisis, in a health crisis, and it's okay as a temporary uh, solution, but it's, it's ultimately not a permanent solution. But as, as of course, you know, as, you know, where, where, I'm, where I teach, it's, uh, the, the pandemic has been so devastating. Uh, Many students have been infected uh, with COVID. Um, many students have had relatives that have, have died of COVID or, or have gone, gotten very, very sick. So I think at the same time, um, as they've picked up new skills uh, and that we have to recognize there have been some positive aspects of, of remote learning. Um, you know, we just can't go back right now but I think the positive aspects of remote learning we can take back into the classroom when uh, when this pandemic uh, hopefully comes to an end soon. Yeah, David, can you uh, expand a little bit on the demographics of where you teach and maybe also just talk about uh, COVID, you know, the, the youth, the school system and the Los Angeles area a little bit? I think people would be very interested to hear kind of what's happening on the ground-ish, you know? Uh, Well, Los Angeles has become really the epicenter of the COVID crisis um, as of now. Um, It has been very devastating. There's been, uh, ICUs are full, the hospitals, um, you know, they're turning people away unless unless, um, it's it's an extremely serious situation. Um, You know, Los Angeles Unified is the second biggest uh, district in the country. Um, 
hundreds of schools. I think there's even close to about a thousand schools in LA Unified. And despite being the second biggest uh, district in the country, it's, it's relatively, um, you know, you would expect it being LA, being more diverse, but the, the district itself is about 80% Latino. So, you know, the district has 500,000 kids, but is 80% Latino. So you're looking at a, a situation in LA where the schools, uh, you're looking at kind of a segregated, very much a segregated situation where students um, who come from family of means uh, go to private schools or they'll go to a certain situation. And then LA public schools are basically made up of, of working class kids. Or they go to suburban schools, right? Or they go to suburban schools, sure. And um, I'm, I'm from LA, I know. I, right. I, I, I plead guilty as someone whose parents literally moved from the district to uh, suburban school district. It was quite a, quite a difference, actually. Yeah. It's like yeah. Culture, culture shock going from LA, which is urban, to these white suburbs, man, you know? I don't know if I've ever fully recovered from the shock of moving to moving from like a multinational situation to the suburbs. Yeah, no, it's, it's a, it's a situation where, you know, and, and because of this situation, you're looking at schools that have been historically very underfunded. Um, and you know, which is why we went on strike a couple years ago. We were, you know, we're still looking at very high class sizes and, you know, counselors, you know, one to, I think, I, I forgot, I think, forgot what the rate, but it was something like um, one to like, a, like, there's a couple counselors to like 2000 kids or something like that in, in certain schools. So because of that situation, you know, that you're talking about, we, we you know, we're looking at LA schools severely underfunded. Um, and, you know, because of that, and, and these are things that like are historic, that are longstanding, um, that are systemic. And so that's another reason why I think when you look at a lot of teach, uh, educators here in Los Angeles and, you're, and you have Joe Biden saying, well, we're going to reopen the schools in 100 days. It's like we're in 100 days, we're going to solve um, we're going to solve all these systemic problems that have existed in L.A. schools for decades as far as overcrowding as far as cutting back on, on services. Um, it, it's just, it's just not going to happen. And it, it just shows a rush. Um, and it just shows a rush to, uh, to get back, you know, for in the interests of, of business. And really, you know, the, the, as we've said, we, the, the interest should be towards providing people with the support right now that they are not getting. Um, yeah. So, where I teach, it's it's uh, it's heavily Latino. I think we're ninety five percent Latino. Uh, it's just south of downtown LA in a very uh, industrial area, and uh, it's it's probably one of the more oppressed areas of the city. Um, so it's it's it, it's and it, it is an area that's really hit hard by COVID. I mean, it's a really stark picture, rushing to send children and teachers and staff uh back to you know mostly inside locations and unsafe conditions um it's just it's it's um when you really really think about it and i and of course there's no 
in the media or anywhere else, there's no like even pause about this, like, wait, you know, wait a second or anything. And not that I've seen. And it's all based too on the fact that we spoke to this a little earlier in the interview that uh, what are families supposed to do? I mean, I can't imagine, um, I, I can't even imagine what type of situation you would put like workers who have to go to work during a pandemic where a lot of times it's probably unsafe and then come home to multi-generational homes in poorer neighborhoods, especially, and then have those kids all go to school together. Do you know what I mean? Or like provide the kids for, I mean, it's very difficult. I'm not saying this is the easiest thing in the world, but it's like the precise thing that needs to be done is to uh, save people. Like, you know what I mean? And that means like having a social, political, and economic uh, underpinning or program. And I'll, I'll be honest, I mean, even a lot of the capitalist countries have done okay. The, the wealthiest ones, shock, uh, you know, even Europe is not, you know, they've, mm-hmm. they're blustering it too. But some of the poorer or, or less wealthy capitalist countries have even done okay, you know, because they've just instituted a sensible program to like, help people to save lives to come together and we do we do live in just such a in a way so i don't mean to be pessimistic but because i'm not really but we do because because i think actually the vast majority of people if they're mobilized in the right direction would we would have overcome this already because the vast the majority of people are ready to go along with the program to tackle the pandemic it just requires money leadership you know and the right type of system well, we have a, you know, we have a ruling class in this country that uh, hasn't, that, that doesn't put the pi- pandemic or people's lives at a priority. Um, to say the least. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I mean, yeah. And, 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 you know, this rush to schools is just so egregiously inhumane. It's just so dismissive of people's lives. It just throws people away. And, and we're seeing it, you know, from the whole political class. Um, yeah. even, you make a demand, people over profits. It's, it seems to be, it, it's, it's just so dismissed or you're, you're not, you know, but people's lives take priority over, over any kind of profits or business interests. They, they should, and they absolutely can. You know, it's, it's a choice by the ruling class to put people's lives at risk. Um, And, you know, that this is a political choice made by people that if we were mobilized, we could really fight. Um, But I I think as we're seeing where we've been kind of demobilized by, you know, this fear of Trump and now we have Biden supposedly supposed to be relieved. But we see Biden representing the, the, some, to, some to, you know, he, he represents the ruling class uh, or kind of the corporations or the people running this country more so than, than Trump. He, he gives it a, and, and you see the priorities are very much the same. Yeah. Well, you see, even, uh, you know, Biden has, I mean, he said he's, he's compromising already. He said he's going to go, he says he's going to compromise more. Honestly, you know, he's going to go negotiate when he doesn't have to. Democrats have the government. You know, no. here in California, it is, you know, that Newsom can come out and say that he's going to make he's going to make it a pri- He's going to give school districts more money if they go back into in class learning. Um, 
And that would mean, I don't know, I mean, hundreds of millions for LAUSD. I think I looked at the number, it was like a billion dollars if we could go back. And you, and you look at the numbers and LA being the epicenter. Right. And the fact that the Democrats in California have total control here. Total yeah. control. Yeah. They, they control everything with super majorities. They, uh, a Republican hasn't won statewide office here in 14 years. But Ooh. yet you see that their, their push is... No, not not giving uh, any kind of relief to people, right? Not, you know, at all. Uh, and you know, it, it the the homeless situation continued, and that's a part of the COVID crisis too. Um, it has not been addressed at all, and is refusing to be addressed. Uh, I mean, the guy is just tied up with the uh, real estate industry, and you know, yeah. You know, the problem with the housing situation we have is is that it's not that the rents, uh, it's that the rents are too damn high and the housing being built is uh, too damn expensive. And not with they could do anything they want and their choice is, is to push us back to school, put lives of students and their families furthermore at risk um, and is to support the big corporations. Um, and right. it's never more evident than it is here in California, I think. Sure. Well, the big difference, I think, during the crisis between Democrats and Republicans is it has been basically, which they should, the Democrats are saying, wear masks, social distance, be responsible, don't do gatherings, right? And then run commercials, you know, shaming people into doing it. You know what I mean? That, that's, like, that's like the difference between the Democrats and Republicans. That's like not enough in a society. When you're in a pandemic, you need a full-scale mobilization. And I guess we're running out of time, but to take us out, I was thinking about, because we're now talking about the Democrats, um, Biden's program, the one part of it that's really, really contentious is like the $15 an hour. <laughs> you know, I, that's the thing. I, every time I open the news now, it's like $15 an hour, we're already in an economic crisis that'll crash the whole economy, which is, you know, any, any thinking person knows that it's a joke. Right. Workers' wages have very little effect on the economy besides if you put more money in workers pockets you know the more money more things are spent i mean every single check that's been sent to working people they've spent it on something even if you're like you know okay now the person's going to take the 600 dollars they get and put it towards a payment on their house or, so, or on their car or something it, you know what i mean so, so to me it's like wow and 15 dollars an hour right now is not enough where i live in seattle it's not enough where i did live in chicago and i'm sure it's not enough in la 15 dollars an hour wasn't good enough 10 years ago when this campaign started i mean you know like 25 dollars an hour was probably somewhere near close to 10 years ago and now it's more yeah it's you know and and we we were fighting over you know the the dominant political discussion is should we have a $1,400 check or a $2,000 one-time check? And that's supposed to be, that's supposed to be our, our, our political discussion and our argument when we're right. fighting over, over crumbs here. Um, and, you know, it, it's just, it just shows the need for a certain mobilization outside of the dominant political system that we, that, that's, that's been the only way that we here in the United States have been able to change things in any kind of progressive direction. Yeah. And I, to I totally agree. I think that's a good note 
with which to take us or to end the interview. I really appreciate you. Um, great interview. Um, yeah, totally. Um, and stay safe. Um, I wish the best for you and your fellow teachers and workers in Los Angeles as um, you know, you all are going through really what is just a, I mean, we've said it a couple of times, it's criminal. I mean, heads should be rolling at the top of this government. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Absolutely. You know. All right, David. Uh, hopefully we'll talk soon. And um, thanks for being on. Thanks for being on right. Mass Action Podcast. Thank you, John. Thank you for having me. All right. Thank you so much for listening all the way to the end of this episode of Mass Action Podcast. Please share the podcast as widely as you possibly can. Uh, become a patron. You can uh, figure out how to become a patron, how to uh, donate going to the website mass-action.org. Uh, you can also contribute on GoFundMe. Please, please, please think about purchasing the new book, uh, a compilation of articles written by myself, plus a few new articles written over 2020. The book is called 2020 Socialism and the Coming Great Crisis. Uh, please, again, think about purchasing the book. Uh, you can also find much, much, many more, however you say it, stuff, again, on mass-action.org. Until next time, keep your heads up, your fists up. Let's struggle in the streets to overturn this whole damn system.